This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs and live from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show, and I look forward to coming and doing the show with you each week as we get into your mind and we talk about your attitudes, your focus, your demeanor, how that affects your performance on and off the athletic field. If you're an athlete, if you're a coach, if you're a fan, if you're an official, and we talk about topics on this show and get into discussions about how all these things affect us as people, as athletes, how it affects our performance, how it affects what we do. I've been very fortunate to be in my 39th year of work as a sports psychologist in the Kansas City area. And I'm on the radio now for my 28th year, my 18th year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. And our show is now being syndicated in a number of cities around the country. And our list is growing, which I'm excited to say. In fact, next couple weeks, we're going to have a couple new stations on that I'll mention. And, you know, this show is one of the only shows in the country where we talk about this stuff. And one of the things I love getting into is getting into discussions with you about different topics. I've been fortunate enough to have worked with so many great people, and I've learned a lot, and I'm still learning. I'll be 65 years old next month, and I feel like I'm still in my 20s in the sense of what I'm learning and growing about life and people. And, you know, I'm going to do this show as long as I can, and hopefully we'll do it for many, many more years. And it's one of the things I really enjoy doing because I got into this field years ago because I became a psychologist, obviously, to help people. And hopefully this show does some of that for you if you're a parent, if you're a coach, you're an athlete, a uh, fan, an official, whatever. But we try to bring up things on here, topics on here, discussions on here that I think will be of interest to you. And, you know, each week I look around the environment and get on social media, look on the internet, watch the news, watch all the different sports shows and try to find a topic that I think would be worth getting into. And one of the things that's been popping up in my mind has been the role social media plays in sports, but also how it affects self-confidence of athletes. I know when I started doing this 39 years ago, there was no such thing as social media. There was newspapers, there was AM, FM, radio. The internet was just beginning to be discovered. And personal computers were just starting to come into play back in the late 70s, early 80s. And so many things have changed. I know when I did my doctoral work, I had to type up my doctoral dissertation on a typewriter, which went through many, many revisions. And uh, having a computer would have been such a luxury for that. 
and as we as I've seen things change, one of the things that started the last couple years especially to stick out to me is how social media has become so important in the world of sports to especially to athletes sometimes to their detriment you know this past week brown safety jermaine whitehead was released following his disturbing social media ran after a loss in denver he made several threatening and expletive laden posts on twitter and one was directed at Dustin Fox, who's an ex-NFL player, works for the team's radio. I hear athletes all the time talk about the importance of their social media accounts. Yet at the same time, I also hear all the time how so many athletes get rid of their social media accounts because they can't deal with the negativity when they screw up. You know, you, you don't play well. You're on Twitter, you're on Instagram, you're on Snapchat, people are following you. You'll get a lot of negative stuff from fans. I've had one very prominent athlete who I work with who's told me he's had, he got off his social media because he started getting threats to his personal safety. In fact, he showed them to me and he said, Doc, what should I do? I said, you want my honest opinion? Eliminate it, get off of it, be done with it. There's no reason to have that. Why? Because you played poorly in, on a couple plays in a game, you're on the field. How many plays? 65 plays, he said. He had two bad plays, one which, which resulted in, in a sack on the quarterback and a fumble, which resulted in a touchdown for the other team, which resulted in them ultimately winning. He said he got just these hostile threats made to him. And I said, why do you need that? An hour later, he called me, called me, didn't text me, called me and said, Doc, it's gone. I'm off Twitter, I'm off Instagram, all that stuff. I don't need it. Years ago, when I, back in 1990, when I worked with the Kansas City Royals, I was there full time with the players. They'd get mail from fans. And again, when I worked with the team from 2008 through 2012, they got mail. They got Social media stuff was starting to come on them, but they would be getting mail. There was one player one day came up. He says, Doc, he called me brain coach. Brain coach, come here. That was his favorite term for me. You like that, Josh? My producer likes that. He's shaking his head. I do, you know. And this thing with Nelson Aguilar this past weekend, he's, you know, an Eagles wide receiver. He basically was just forced to get off of social media due to, you know, lack of performance, you know, insults, whatever they are, it's, you know, becoming more of a problem in sports, but there, every athlete has a bigger platform than they ever have before, which is also a good thing, so a balance of that, the bad and the good, it's just hard to find sometimes with everyone's mindset and mentality being completely different and everyone being, you know, their own person. I think you stated that extremely well. Thank you for jumping in there, and, and you know, that's, that's, one of the things, so this, so this one player at the Royals, he's called me brain coach, one day comes up, brings in four or five letters he's gotten the last, consecutively four or five days, with drawings. A guy drew handwritten drawings of him in the batter's box with a whole description of how he needed to change his stance. And he looked at me and he said, you know, this guy means well, but he has no clue what he's telling me. 
mean, I'm reading this stuff. And I said, how often do you read? He goes, well, I try to respond to everybody who sends me mail. I only think it's fair. And I thought that was very admirable of him. And he was, this is a really good guy. He said, but this guy, every day I've had letters from him for the last two weeks, I finally thought I'd show this to you. I said, well, send him a letter back. Just tell him thanks and let it go, which he did. And he said, I kept, he kept getting more, but he just ignored him. But that was nine years, eight, nine years ago. And now it's a lot different. Now you get, like you just said, all this type of stuff going on. And so here's the topic for today. How much does social media play a role in self-confidence? How much does self-confidence get affected by social media? If you're an athlete, should we spend, should, should you as an athlete spend a lot of time emphasizing things on social media about yourself? Is that a sign of insecurity that you've got to get all that attention? Does that bring on a lack of confidence because you get all that attention? So I want to get into that today. Self-confidence is something I talk about all the time on this show. The ability to believe in yourself and your abilities, your skills. But what is self-confidence about? It's about how you feel within yourself. And if you're insecure and you have to get external feedback constantly telling you how good you are, then what happens when you get the opposite? If you're a coach, how do you feel about your athletes on social media? If you're an athlete, have you ever been had a situation on social media where you got insulted? Did it affect your confidence positively or negatively? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priorities to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. 
One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back. When your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain. And you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful, pain-reducing prescription medicines. But most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Hope you're having a nice morning wherever you're listening. And today's topic is this. The role social media has in sports. As an athlete, as a coach, do you have a social media account? Do you pay attention to the comments you get on social media? How important is it for you? I'd like to open up our phone lines so we can get some calls in here and discussion going on this. If you're a coach, how do you feel about your athletes having social media accounts? I don't know if you can make them turn turn it off, eliminate it, stop it. I mean, freedom of speech is allowed in this country. But where do social media accounts, where does the role of social media become a positive or a negative in the world of sports? Or in life, for that matter. If you're a coach, what do you think? If you're an athlete, what do you think? Do you need to have a social media presence to build your confidence up you know we talk about confidence a lot on this show as I mentioned earlier confidence is that ability to believe in yourself believe in your skills believe in what you're about and I feel a lot of people need to get feedback from other people to tell them how great they are for them to feel good about themselves I see it all the time I get it with athletes I work with all the time they need that feedback from other people but do they need that because they're insecure within themselves? I think there's a, there's a connection there. And I know a lot of people will have 
lot of follow, you know thousands of followers on their social media accounts and get you know read the things that are said, but it can affect them positively or negatively. So what about you? If you're an athlete, if you've played sports, do you need to have social media presence for your confidence to feel good? If you are a coach, how do you feel about your athletes posting things on social media? You know, we're seeing now athletes at games immediately after the game's over getting on their phones. I mean, before they even talk to their teammates, they're on their phones in the locker rooms. I've seen it. What's everybody saying about me? What are people saying about that touchdown I scored? What are people saying about the home run I hit? About the three-pointer I, I sat shot at the buzzer? How important is it to hear that feedback from other people? Josh, what do you think about that? I think it's really important, you know, for some people, and that, um, I guess, this reassurance is always good, but when it's when it's going good, but when it's going bad, you know, that's when you've got to be able to handle it, and if you can't sometimes, then... Maybe social media isn't, you know, the right move for you, especially, you know, people in radio. You have a platform. You get to talk all the time. You get to say things. And people will have an opinion on you just by listening to you. So if you have that social media presence, you just have to have a certain type of mentality just to begin with. And if you're not, you know, ready for the repercussions of that, then being off social media is is maybe something that you should look at. And it's always okay to not have, you know, a, a certain type of social media. Well, you've been in locker rooms before. You see what goes on after a game when an athlete is the star or the goat of the game. Not in terms of greatest of all time, but the goat, the guy that you know made the play that people see as costing the game. The media surrounds that person. They want to talk to him. And I've been in many, many, many locker rooms where I've seen athletes who screwed up and they'll stay in the training room. They won't come out. They won't talk to the media. They don't want to deal with it. And then I've seen athletes stand up when they've screwed up and been straight up and said, hey, I messed up. I've got to take responsibility for it. It's my fault. I've got to do a better job. And you can see the difference in the confidence in these people because that's part of the, part of the job to today is dealing with that. So the question is, should if you're a professional athlete, a college athlete, I'm not saying you shouldn't have social media accounts or have social media presence, but if you depend on that, for how you feel about yourself, then I think you've got some issues. I'd like to hear from you. If you have a social media account, how important is it for your confidence? How, how much of an effect does it have on you? And if you're a coach and you have athletes that seem to be on their phones, their tablets, their, their devices all the time, checking what people are saying about them, how do you feel about that as a coach, as a as a you know, coaches are guides, they're instructors, they're psychologists, they're disciplinarians, they're teachers. So what do you say about that? I know many people have told me, you know, Doc, I don't want anything to do with that stuff. I don't want to listen to what people are saying about me. They don't know. And here's the thing. I will get this from a lot of people. People say stuff about me on there. They don't know who I am. They just see me as somebody in a uniform. They don't know me as a person. And they'll say this derogatory stuff about me. They don't even know who I am. So I don't try to pay attention to that because if I do, it ends up affecting how I feel about myself and then things fall apart. So social media today is obviously a major part of society and especially for the younger generations, it's, it's part of who they are. I mean, you don't see really anybody walking around now without a cell phone or looking at it. I, I know from my office, I'll look out the window, I'm on the second floor and I, there's a, 
light pole, street light pole in front of my office, and I can't tell you how many times I've seen people on their phone just walk right into that pole because they're not even paying attention where they're going. So we've become such a digitally oriented society with this, which, which obviously has its tremendous benefits. But how much do you depend on that for your confidence? And really, in the end, what is confidence about? Do you need that support from other people to feel good about yourself? Or can you look in the mirror and say, hey, you know what? I screwed up today. i got to take responsibility. I've got to get better. I've worked with many field goal kickers throughout my career, all the way from high school up into the professional levels. I have one right now I'm working with as a high school kicker. And he has a coach who just will get on him if he misses a kick. I mean, really gets on him. And, he's, and, and we've talked about it. I said, you have to sit down and talk to that coach and tell him how you feel about the way he's talking to you because it's not helping. So he finally did, and the coach didn't realize. The coach thought he was motivating him. And in essence, he was really damaging his self-confidence and damaging how he felt about himself because he was cutting him down all the time. So this whole issue of confidence, I think has a lot to do with how we interpret what others say. You know, confidence to me starts as you grow up. And in our book, Just Let Him Play, that I co-wrote with Pete Malone and Jeff Montgomery, I have a chapter I've mentioned many, many times on this show. Chapter three, Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun. Learning about failing as a young athlete or as a young person, because we're all going to fail. We all screw up. But not letting it become something that destroys us, but something that we can learn from, I think that's really healthy. So teaching, when kids drop a pass, an eight-year-old drops a pass, or you know strikes out, or double faults, or shoots an air ball, instead of getting angry at them, talk with them about it, about, well, let's see what, if you know what you did wrong and how we can correct that. And obviously, when you have a collegiate athlete who does that, or a professional athlete who does that, and then they get on their social media accounts and everybody's blasting him, calling him names and degrading him. That's not healthy. So today's topic is this, the role social media plays in sports. How does it affect self-confidence, positively or negatively? I'd like to hear from you. Let's get some calls in here. Nobody's called in yet. I'd like to hear from you. If you're a coach, if you're an athlete, if you're a parent, you're a teacher, what are your thoughts about that? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? 
I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition, and Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB. In Kansas City, I'm here every week talking about your mind and sports. And today's topic is the issue of social media and sports. And what role does social media play today in athletes' lives, coaches' lives, teams' lives? You know, we, we've we seen in the last, I guess really, what, about seven, eight years, just an explosion now of all these apps and things on your phone, on your computer, on your devices. And... Everybody seems to know everything about everybody. No secrets. So if you're an athlete and you screw up, do you go to your social media accounts to see what people are saying about you in a negative way? If you're an athlete and you do great, do you go in there to see what people are saying about you in a positive way? 
How much does it affect your self-confidence? Something I've become more and more aware of the last couple of years of my practice working with so many individual athletes. I've had high school athletes come in and show me stuff that people say about them. I had a high school quarterback a couple of years ago who had a bad game and had some threatening things stated to him on his Twitter account. I said, why are you even reading this stuff? He said, well, it's there. I said, is it helping you? He goes, no. It doesn't, it doesn't affect how I feel about myself, but I just don't like it when people say stuff like that. So, so I said, so get off of there. Why do you need to, to do that? Self-confidence is one of these things when it comes to sports that is like the wind. It can come and it can go. But I think that when you find an athlete, a team, who has developed a, a high level of self-confidence, one of the things I've noticed is they don't really care about what people say about them except for the people they care about. I've worked with many, many professional athletes throughout my career. And many have heard some pretty awful, ugly things when they've screwed up. You know, when they've done well, they're the hero. When they screw up, they're the goat. And they had to learn how to balance that. The guys that lasted the longest were the ones that had to deal with that. You know, field goal kickers, closers, goalies, they're the ones probably that notice that as much as anybody on a team. Because let's face it, if an offensive lineman misses a block or has a hold or defensive tackle is off sides, unless it's, it's the game that determines the end of the, 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 the game, the play that determines the end of the game, you're probably gonna, not going to notice as much. But when a field goal kicker misses a kick in the middle of the game, they'll hear about it. If a closer walks the bases loaded, gets pulled out and the game's tied, they'll hear about it. Everybody's out there to see it. So you've got to have a strong, high level of intestinal fortitude to play those positions. I've worked with many goalies, especially in soccer, several in hockey. And they'll tell me, I try not to listen to the fans. I try not to listen to anybody else except for the people that I know that care about me, that love who I am. I'm going to screw up. It's going to happen. And you have to have thick skin, not let it bother you, and move on to the next play. And if it ends up you give up a goal at the end of the game, we lose. There are 20, 30 other plays throughout the game that could have happened that other people could have participated on in a positive way that could have determined the outcome of the game. So I try not to look at that as that is the reason that we lost. So if you do turn to social media for self-confidence, to build your confidence up, is that a healthy thing to do? So I'd like to hear from you. If you're a coach and you have athletes on your team that you notice, maybe you're a high school coach, college coach, doesn't matter. You have athletes on your team who are obsessed with their social media accounts, looking on it, as soon as the game's over, they're on there. What are people saying about me? Do you say anything about that? Do you leave it alone? Do you ignore it? Do you avoid it? Do you say something to them and say, look, I, I think you need to stop doing that? I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. I'd like to hear from you if you're an athlete and you have a social media account or accounts that you're always looking at in terms of what people are saying about you. How much does that affect positively or negatively your self-esteem, your self-confidence, your self-value, your self-worth? Do you need that external support from others 
to tell you, hey, great game? Or do you need that when you know you had a good game? See, to me, that's what confidence is about. And as we grow and learn as athletes, as people, how you handle failure, I think, is a big part of this. So to me, this is where it comes back to this whole issue of failure as a kid, as a youngster, as a teenager. How, when you fail, when you screw up, when you make a mistake, that is dealt with by your coaches, by your parents, by your teammates. Do you become scared to fail? Does it get to the point then that you need that outside support, that external reinforcement all the time? So that's where do you turn to social media for that when you do well? Oh, wow, look at all these people are saying about me. Or can you focus on what's inside you and deal with it that way? So, Josh, when you've been in locker rooms before, do you see athletes turn to their phones right away? Right? Yeah, have you, you ever noticed that quite a bit, that they're on their phones immediately after, after a game? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I graduated in 15, so nowadays I bet it's even more of a thing. Well, I graduated in 72, so you, <laughs> this stuff didn't ex- We just had AM, FM radios back then. Okay, so, but what do you, what do you notice? What do you see when, you, when you'll see people doing that? Um, you know, for high-level athletes, it can help you build your brand um, to make you even more successful. So I understand it from that aspect. Explain what you mean by that, build your brand. Like, if you're in college, um, for example, I just have, you know, like Chase Young, he'll put like a little hype tape together. He's definitely going to be, you know, maybe the number one pick in the NFL draft. And he's starting to already build his brand, even though he's in college and you probably shouldn't be, you know, posting all of these things all already, but he's just building more of a following. And there, there's a lot of silent support too. That's, you know, on social media that, you know, you don't always see. So, you know, you're not going to get super compliments all the time. So, but I like it from a building a brand aspect. And then, but after the game with athletes, well, excuse me, when you're saying build a brand for people don't know what you're talking about there, explain what you mean to, you know, essentially you're monetizing yourself on the internet. You're, you're making yourself more money essentially by getting more notoriety at a, by starting early in college or in high school, you know, if you're a high-level athlete in high school, you can start building that, you know, brand or monetization. If you're high-level, that's the, you know, whole point of having social media. If you are a high-level athlete, but these not high-level athletes who, who go to social media for, you know, reassurance or vindication, maybe, maybe that's not the best use of it, but it's there's a lot of good things that you can see on Social media and it's it's a good platform for a lot of people, but you know there there is a lot of bad to it. As, so as that's we know. so that's where perspective comes in, having a healthy perspective about it, being grounded within yourself. In other words, and that's that's my whole point of this topic today. If you depend on social media posts to build you up, then that's saying to me that your confidence is not very strong. If you're using it. As, as you're saying, a way to, to promote yourself, that's great. And your brand, who you are, and, and, and all that, that's fine. But if you're using it to build yourself up, confidence-wise, you're in trouble. Because then that's saying you're not secure within yourself. 
And that, to me, is where I've seen with so many athletes today. They depend on that. And then when negative stuff's said about them, it really affects them in a negative way. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'd like to hear from you. We're talking about the role social media plays in sports. If you're an athlete, if you're a coach. And I'd like to hear from you. If you have a social media account and you're an athlete, how much do you depend on what people say about you to affect how you feel about yourself? If you're a coach, how important do you find that being positively or negatively with your team or your athletes? There are tremendous benefits, obviously, to all this. But in regards to self-confidence, building it, destroying it, knocking it down, developing it, can play a key role. So I'd like to hear if you're a coach, what role does social media play with your athletes? If you're an athlete, how important is it to have a social media account? And you depend on that for your confidence. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. 
but the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 10 WHB in Kansas City. Hope you're enjoying our discussion today, talking about the role social media plays in sports and building or destroying self-confidence. And as I said, I'd like to hear from you. If you have a social media, if you're an athlete, you're a coach, you have a social media account. How much do you depend on that? How much do you turn to that? How much do you look at that to build your confidence up or to destroy it? How much does it affect you in a positive or negative way? Our number is 913-3810-810. 913-3810-810. Too many athletes today, I think, turn to social media too often to see what people are saying about them. Because they've gotten to the point now where what everybody else says about them determines how they feel about themselves. Throughout my 39 years of work, the athletes who I've worked with who have had the highest level of self-confidence. And there's that balance between, you know, confidence and cockiness. Where does it go? Where Where's the point where confidence becomes cockiness? You've got to draw that ba- that line. You have to have a balance in there with that because if you get too cocky, you get too full of yourself and then you start to think you're above everybody else. And then when things don't go well, you don't handle it. And those are the people I think on social media who when people start saying bad things about them, they can't handle it. But when you're confident enough with yourself, then I feel like you can handle what people say positively or negatively, but the role comes. The, 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 the issue comes down to this: is having social media turning to that to see how what people are saying about you a healthy thing. So, Josh, let me ask you this question straight up: Do you think it's a healthy thing for athletes to have these social media accounts that they turn to right after games to see what people are saying about them? Healthy? No, if they're turning to it right away. Well, we're seeing it more and more. I mean, I'm seeing it now, you know, all over the place. I know reporters, media who go into the locker rooms, and they said, everybody's on their phones. Everybody's looking at their phones. And what are they looking at? They're looking at maybe what their family members are saying, but what people are saying about them. So why why do you think they have to do that? I I think, well, you know, it makes makes you feel good. But the moment that it turns bad or you have a bad outing, bad performance – that's when you got to be able to, you know, maybe not go to the phone right after the game unless it's just that bad of a habit, which it, which it can be for some people. Just to, that, you know, just seeing what people are saying about them, it's, it's understandable that people turn to that as soon as something good happens and as soon as something bad happens. 
Yeah. I mean, I have a Twitter account that's focused on this show and what I do with my, my practice, not about me, okay? But I know a lot of athletes depend on what people say about them in terms of how they feel about themselves. So if you turn to that for that reinforcement, that's fine. But if you can't balance it out when you turn to it for when you've played poorly for all the negativity, that's not good. So maybe it's maybe that's where some people need to sit down and think about themselves. And this goes back to, the, like I said, I've talked in this show many, many times about the keys to if I can speak properly, the keys to success. Preparation, focus, attitude, confidence. Confidence is the foundation of all of it. Preparation is how you get ready mentally, physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, nutritionally, all the things you do to get ready. Focus is about what you concentrate on and identify and become aware of the distractions that get in the way of what you're going to do. Attitude is how you feel about yourself. And then foundation, the foundation of all of it is self-confidence, the belief in yourself. And if you're a confident person, I don't think you need to turn to other people for that support. But today we're seeing so many athletes turning to, to look at their social media accounts for that support and to build their confidence up. So what you're saying is, if I'm hearing you correctly, if that's what people are using it for, you don't think it's a healthy thing to be doing at all. And maybe something like that should be something, you know, maybe they should just turn it off during the season and not look at it. Yeah, you know, LeBron does something during the playoffs that's called Zero Dark 30, where he will disable or not disable, just not be on social media for the entirety of the playoffs. Last year he didn't make the playoffs, so he didn't do it, but I think that's a good, you know, premise. I like the idea of it just getting zoning out when the biggest things are on the line because that's what's important is what's in front of you and not what people are saying in in these big these big moments. Well, I've had athletes who've had death threats. They've they've shown them to me on their accounts before and people threaten them. I said, you need to turn in the police and they have, I mean, you know, why a, a fan would threaten an athlete's life because they didn't do something right in a game shows you how screwed up those people are. Okay. And I, I've never known it. Well, I have known one, one professional athlete in my entire career who threw a game. I knew one guy who did throw a game once on purpose because he wanted to be traded and was not a, and he did get traded. He was a baseball player. He didn't tell me, but I knew it, knew about it afterwards. But I've never known an athlete who deliberately screwed up other than that on purpose. They're trying. I mean, maybe they're not trying as hard as they could. Maybe they're not concentrating as well as they should. Maybe their focus isn't there. But they're not doing that intentionally to screw up. And it's interesting when fans get angry they'll take their anger out on the on the athlete but like i said athletes are people you know and this comes back to the whole issue of mental health and sports something that i've talked about for years that now in the last two three years is starting to come out as an issue athletes have they're 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 people they have feelings they have emotions they're affected by what people say by what people do now, some of them have thick skin, some of them don't. But we're seeing today, more and more now, the issues of mental health and sports. Self-esteem issues, drug problems, alcohol problems. Of course, a lot of professional athletes 
older NFL players are having all these issues from concussions and their injuries. You're seeing all kinds of issues going on with, with sports in terms of mental health. It wasn't talked about for years because it was a sign of being a, a wimp or a pussy or a weak person. Now it's like, hey, so, I mean, I've talked about it for forever. Athletes are people. And when you as a fan, and this is something I think fans need to realize. I'm a fan. I go to games. I cheer for my teams. If they don't play well, it bums me out for maybe a couple minutes. And then that's it. Game's over. You move on. But I don't sit there and degrade these people and call them names and curse them out and send a message. I don't, don't follow people on social media like that, but send a message to them what a terrible person they are because they dropped a pass. They're people. So I think if you do have a social media account and you do follow your favorite athletes, I think the most important thing to do is be supportive of them when they screw up. If they made a mistake, instead of calling them a name or cussing them out or something like that, Send them a message of support. That, to me, is probably the best thing you can do. Because most of these people feel pretty bad themselves. They don't need to have everybody else tell them. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hope you enjoyed this show today. Because it's a topic that I've wanted to talk about for a while. And I've given you my opinion. I'd love to hear yours. You, know, you can get a hold of me a lot of different ways on my social media accounts. Okay, my Twitter account is at DRJ Sports Psych, at DRJ SPRT PSYCH. So you can certainly send me a comment there. Our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. You go to the additional programming tab and you'll find me on there. They're on my website, which is winnersunlimited.com, W I N N E R S, unlimited.com. I'm also on SoundCloud. And we just found out this week in the past year. Our podcasts have been listened to 53,000 times. So there are people who are interested in what we're talking about here. So a lot of ways you can get a hold of me. You can also call me at my office at 816-561-5556. If you have topics you'd like me to bring up on this show, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email at drj at winnerslimited.com. Call me at my office. Send me a message on Twitter. Love to hear from you and get your thoughts. Every Sunday I'm here in Kansas City. Our shows are broadcast around the country in different cities. Love to hear your comments. Love to hear your thoughts. Have a great week. Talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio.
Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station.